Welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words, found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Father John Jordan with me as we have a conversation around Psalm 91 and what the Lord is teaching him. John is a priest in the Episcopal Diocese of Dallas, where he is part of the clergy team at the Church of the Incarnation. He's also the campus administrator for a classical Christian school called Coram Deo Academy, and he's the author of the book, From Law to Lagos, and that's on the book of Galatians. And he's also working on a few other books that maybe he'll tell us about as we move through this conversation. And if John needed anything else to fill his time with, he's also a husband and a father of three little people, which range from 20 months old to eight years old. So John, welcome. So glad that you're here and really excited to have this conversation with you. Same. Thanks for having me. Well, I kind of gave a list there, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? What did I, what did I miss? What do you want to fill in some details for? Um, I I think that's a great overview of, of who I am. Part of, part of what um, has shaped who I am is, is feeling this sense and and this might come up or might not, but sense of having a dual vocation of sorts. Um, I have been with the school where I work for 12 years now and have in many ways um, grown there and sense a, a real calling to um, the school in particular as a place where, where ministry can be done. But for the past eight or nine years, I've also been um, either in the ordination process in the Episcopal Diocese of Dallas, or now a couple years into serving there. And so it, I, I have a real tug for the church as well and serve in a, in a formal way there. And so um, I think if it's um, somebody I'm meeting for the first time or a dear friend I've had for decades, um, that's, that's probably something that both notice is that there's this dual, um, I think it's one vocation in two places, but there's at least this two, two distinct callings. Um, and that all along the way with that is, is our family. We uh, love family time together. Um, and, and sometimes it's the balance of those three things um, that occupies a lot of my mind and frustration and excitement of just well, how do I, and balance, I don't even like the word balance because they're not three um, uh, distinct things, but they, they overlap pretty significantly. So, but that, that's, that's about it. I, I feel like sometimes there's three, three callings there and we probably all have time in a given week for one calling. So I do, <laughs> yeah. I do find myself often feeling um, stretched and as though I can't do it all. And mm. I think I'm learning to see that that's um, true and good and would be true if I had one calling. That's so. right. Yeah. And that drives us to then depend on the one who can actually help us do yeah. what's needed. Yeah. I love that you even started out with uh, not liking the word balance. Cause I am not a fan of that word either. I think 
it sets us up for failure <laughs> because mm-hmm. when people say, Oh, how do you balance all that? Well, we don't, we don't balance it. Sometimes it's out of balance. Sometimes one thing takes up a lot more time than another. And, and I think that's the rhythm of life. And I think that's the rhythm of walking with the Lord and letting him say, no, this thing's going to take a lot more time right now. Uh, your family needs you the most, or your church family needs you the most, or your school family needs you the most right now. And so I think, um, so yeah, I appreciate that you started with that. So thanks for sharing that. Well, I want to do a quick reminder about the passage that we're in before we dive in. And this is the first four verses of Psalm 91. So let me read those for us again. So this is a reading of Psalm 91 verses one through four. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So we did this as a Lectio and we asked the Lord to draw our word, uh, our attention to a word or phrase. So John, where did the Lord take you as you did Lectio with this passage? Um, I, I was drawn for four places, partially, I think, because of, of how it was done. And so I can list those four and we can talk about one yeah, let's um, do it. or more. But um, so one of the, the one of the initial ones um, is the this move from the theoretical to the personal from verse one to two. Um, there was some extended reflection on verse one. Um, whoever it is that dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest. And then verse two takes this um, beautiful theoretical truth and makes it deeply personal uh, where the psalmist says, and I'm one of those who dwells in the shelter and Mm -hmm. and makes it personal. So that move is one that I'm uh, I can enjoy the theoretical sometimes a whole lot. Yeah. The move to the personal is not as, as natural. Yeah. Um, Second, maybe just signpost here or or stake in the ground was the um, the sense, uh, surely he will save you and kind of further reflection on the reality that healing takes many forms. And so um, to hear that God will surely save you um, or help you or heal you, I think I'm I am through a number of experiences, mostly through folks that I interact with, know that that healing or that salvation can take many forms. It's not always um, the removal of whatever it is that is, that is harming. Yeah, that's good. Um, a kind of third uh, image or con- I, 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 contrast isn't the right word, but I was drawn many times uh, to the reality that um, the two guiding analogies here are are one that um, has been historically understood to be rather masculine, um, fortress, rampart, shield, and then another one that has been historically understood to be rather feminine. Of This is a, a mother hen mm-hmm. kind of wrapping her, mm-hmm. her wings and protecting you. Both are offering protection. And one of the things that I think is, is um, 
beautiful about this is that both of those are are immense displays of strength um, mm. and they're just different types of strength and protection. And then um, the last um, time, last place that I was, that I was drawn was um, the phrase, his faithfulness. And this is a, maybe an illustration of where we started from this move from the theoretical to the personal. Um, but as you know, we both share a love for the book of Galatians. And there's a phrase in Galatians, and it's it's in Paul's other letters that um, you know, in the Greek is something like pistis Christu, and it's either translated as the faithfulness of Christ or translated as faith in Christ. And you can make a case in the Greek for both. And so sometimes there are um, really nerdy debates in academic circles about which one of those two exactly is it. I think it's, it's to me, at least it's clear that throughout the scriptures, both of those concepts are important, both our trust in Christ himself, but that only matters if he is mm-hmm. ultimately faithful to the right. father. So um you know, it, it came up in, in the intro and it came up here in this first, this move from theoretical to practical. But when I when I um, get the sense that I can't do everything I'm called to do, I do find comfort um, that it's not my actions, but his faithfulness that are my shield, the grand part. So, um, mm. so those are the, those are the, um, four words or pictures that, mm-hmm. um, as I went through. Um, yeah. I think that last thing that you just said that it's his faithfulness, not our actions. That really is, that's so important to me that we understand that's the gospel. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just, we can't, there's nothing we can do to earn, uh, assure our own salvation, do anything to better our position with God. Um, it's because of his faithfulness to us. It's our faith in him and then his faithfulness to us. So I, that really resonated with me when you said that as you moved um, kind of through this. So, so you, this is one of the blessings and the curse of having uh, the kind of theological background that you do is that so many things come to you because you see more deeply into the scripture because you've studied it so intently as you kind of moved continued to move through this process with the Lord, where did you go more personally with it after you kind of identify these four things? What was the next step for you? Yeah. Um, so I, there was a, uh, in, ref, in really reflecting on what, for lack of better words, this fortress versus the hen, um, it was, it was interesting that I kind of just, you know, my mind naturally went, this is a, a bird analogy. So the bird, you know, it's a fowler's snare. So all of a sudden the analogy is when, when you're being hunted, uh, like a, like a bird might be hunted or mm-hmm. try to be captured with a hunter. And then, and then it's the, the bird imagery of the, the hen covering with feathers. Um, I, I, did just kind of stop and daydream a little bit and get distracted and thinking about my grandmother, um, who is a bird watcher. And so it kind of like led me down this, this interesting trail, um, with her. And so that's, I, I, I know that I've done Lectio before and it's not, it's not about <laughs> reconnecting with your, I mean, my grandmother's alive, um, <laughs> but you know, it's not, it, 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 but it was just an interesting that at once I, um, 
once that happened, then it kind of brought that that angle to the um, to the discussion. But I think you know maybe because of that, or or because it felt the least um, academic, and I was trying to stretch myself. That fortress and and bird, the two. Uh, I probably kept coming back to this this concept of both of those are um, ex exhibiting and showing God's strength in protecting us, and that strength looks different in different scenarios. That there are certain situations where you want the strength of a tall tower and a rampart and a, a, a very built-out wall, and there are other times that the strength you need is a little bit more of a um, you know, a feather that's covering. And mm -hmm. that, that to me is a little bit more of a hiding, um, mm -hmm. but maybe in a, in a redeemed way. So what is yeah. that? Um, so. Yeah. I, the tenderness is what's coming to mind. So we mm -hmm. want, there are times when we need the strong God and there's times when we need the tender God. And, and actually we often need both of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, which I don't think we can divide him up anyway. So <laughs> we, right, get, right, right. we get all of God, <laughs> yes, uh, which yes. is amazing. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more. It was interesting. You had, you said, you know, you were trying to really push yourself to move from the academic into the more personal side of it. Um, you had a sweet moment reflecting on your grandmother. Right. And, um, but as you kept going into that process and trying to really let God bring you into a personal place, did you get there? And if so, what was that? Um, I, so I, I, I don't know if it, well, it can't be cheating because I'm doing what I'm supposed to, but a way <laughs> that I did Lectio uh, with this passage was I, I allowed these four verses to be the Psalm reading for about a week in a row. So we, um, in the Anglican tradition, there's the daily office of, of morning and evening prayer. And every day there's a New Testament, an Old Testament, a passage from the Gospels in particular, and then a Psalm or two or three. And so I just kept that same practice, but let this be the Psalm that I reflected on. So, which, which is to say that instead of one or two sit down sessions, this turned into seven or eight mornings of just kind of the same same psalm which is much shorter than the norm, normal psalm reading in a morning so it, it forced it to be slower and in that um what was interesting is that i lived a week while reflecting on it and it was a normal week in the sense that there were um many times i i felt like i was not uh living up to various roles and expectations that I either have for myself or somebody else has for me. There were various times that there were surprises um, that uh, saddened me or frustrated me or, or, or in, in, in the church world and in the school world, it was a normal week full of distraction and disappointment. And, and it felt like falling short. And in that it, it, it was a, um, fortress hen reminder again mm, of just mm. um I, I feel like in, because it was every morning for a week or so that this was the once i spotted it it was a, a double image that i couldn't get away from that it kind of became a and i i found myself thinking things like 
this is too much. I would like to hide in in a blanket <laughs> and and having that having that uh, uh, the visual instead was hiding in a hen's wings um, or this is an overwhelming task I was just given I I need like the the force of an army behind me to accomplish it and in this fortress imagery so I think I think this is how um, as someone who who prays the daily office. Um, and I don't leave every single morning uh, inspired or even always emotionally connected to it in a, in a way where I can say, you know, before I read the scriptures, I was kind of grumpy. And now I'm looking at my day with joy. I, I run into very few of, of those moments. They certainly happen. Um, so I'm, I tend to be somebody that, that, that I think God just does this slow work of ingraining words in me mm-hmm. that will be needed later. And so this is a way I saw that, that um, it wasn't while my eyes were on the sheet or while my ears were listening to these, these four verses from Psalm 91 that I had many moments that I could feel in my soul, but, but it set me up for a couple of those during the week. Um, that maybe came in a surprise in a surprising place. I probably would have wanted to hide in a blanket already without reading these, but but reimagining that blanket as as God putting wings around me was a um, a different type of comfort. Yeah. So I think first of all, you absolutely didn't cheat. <laughs> I think good, good. I think it's beautiful to. I, that's actually how I also read the Psalms, as I said in one for an entire week. Mm-hmm. And I just read and meditate because I feel like God's word is deep and it does force me to slow down and to start to really see and let words become more formative, his word become more formative for how I'm living to remind me as I'm moving through. I, f- I find that if I read too much content in my devotional reading, that a lot of it just spills out the other ear and I can't actually right. hold on to it. I can't retain it. So I really appreciate that you sat in it all week. And I love that it became a metaphor even for how you were moving through the week and became very comforting because I think that, I think this is a Psalm that brings a lot of comfort. Um, And like you said, I mean, there's reading on the surface, it's, you know, surely he's going to save you. Well, we, we do know that sometimes we don't get saved from the thing that we need that, that immediate thing that we want to be saved from. Sometimes that is much further down the road. Sometimes it's in eternity that the actual, you know, saving from a disease or a a turmoil or something like that actually happens. And yet, um, I just, I really like how he kind of kept just comforting you, comforting you with, with his word. And so thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. I'm you, you also mentioned a little bit ago, kind of how you start your day. Um, and so tell us a little bit about that, how, how you create space for God in your life. You do a lot of work for God, everything that you're doing as a priest, as a administrator at a school and and even when you're teaching children is 
work that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus to prepare for, but how, how are you doing that in your personal life? Yes. The, um, for better or worse. And I think there are, there are instances of both, um, part of what, what I promise to do in, in the ordination vows is to regularly encounter and shape my life around the scriptures. So I, I am generally speaking a rule follower and I think rules are good and, um, (laughs) I'm not married to a rule follower. And so, um, so I, so, so if, if you're the Bishop of Dallas and you are telling me a, a priest in the diocese of Dallas, that the daily office is to be my practice, then, then I'm going, it's going to be my practice. So it was, it's not, um, and what's interesting, and, and I don't know, it, I guess probably worth sharing just because I'm sure others can relate. I, on a given week, I probably have three different settings where I do this morning prayer. Um, and so we'll start with the, the varsity setting. Like this is the, this is the dream setting that happens zero to two times a week on average. <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a small, we had a, like a gross closet in our garage that stored chemicals from a, that a previous owner had. And in COVID season, I, I was running a school from home and, and helping with church from home. And we have three young children and my wife likes being around people. So there was no place in the house to go where I could be alone. So I spent a week just gutting it and insulating it and putting up drywall. And I now have a four foot by four foot uh, office, if it can be called that in the garage. And so it has become a little, really special place for me. It's got like a tiny AC and a tiny heater. And um, so the, the dream is that I wake up, go out there, light a candle and have this slow, maybe 20 to 30 minute time of praying through the daily office that involves written prayers that you're just reading and praying, reading of scripture, and then um, kind of time to actually pray for specific people and little notes that I keep. So that would be kind of one place that I do it. And when I picture myself, that's where I picture myself doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say what happens often um, and I'm someone that has tried a couple of times to quit the smartphone um, thing in its entirety. And I got a dumb phone and I used it for a while. And I'm now back to a smartphone with no browser. I, I just, I, I sometimes think technology is shrinking our souls, but I'm tied to it in a <laughs> sense for now. So I, ha- I, in a sense, gave in, um, but it's actually been been helpful um, with the consistency front and and use a little web app called Venite, V-E-N-I-T-E, that is structured around the Book of Common Prayer that our Episcopal tradition uses, the 1979 edition, and very quickly and very beautifully formats the entire service. So um, I would say uh, standing in front of the espresso machine in our kitchen by myself or with young children running around with the Venite app open is another location that I find myself having this, this morning prayer. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I have, um, I do have the advantage of, of my work is very much ingrained um, in these things. And so when I moved from our school's Flower Mound campus to the Dallas campus, and I kind of got to just kind of be the new guy that made changes. And um, we, we adopted a version of morning prayer 
and a version of noonday prayer as our student body uh, chapel services. And so we do uh, Monday through Thursday, every morning and every noon, we do many versions essentially of these services. And so there are some days that um, the, the varsity option of a candle in my four by four <laughs> foot, nobody can come near me place doesn't work. And maybe the espresso machine didn't even work because there were other surprises. So I I have um, my morning prayer time is either in a hallway or in a, a really pretty sanctuary um, with a bunch of middle school and high school students. So each of those are their own experience, as you know, from experience and as, as you can imagine, but. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's real. That's real life for all of us. We have yeah. our ideal. This is what it looks like when everything mm-hmm. goes right. And you're right. It's like zero to two times a week Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when life actually, everything just goes right. All the kids slept to the right time. You mm-hmm. got out of bed at the right time, all the things. Uh, so I think that's, that's very real life. I just want to shift the conversation totally in a random direction and ask a question about your family. So your youngest daughter is named <laughs> Billy. The youngest daughter is named Billy. It's Spelled. such an interesting name for a girl. And I'm just curious yeah. uh, where that came from and why it might be meaningful to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Billy Nisnik, your daughter. It, she uh, is. <laughs> she's wonderful. So Billy and, and Taylor had this too. It was just that she was, she was born a year too early. Um <laughs> Whereas my very, my first year at Coram Deo, I think was your family's first year at Coram Deo. It was, so I yeah. wound up, um, because Billy is such a nerd, she took all of these Friday theology classes that we offered in Greek classes. So I spent every year from seventh through 12th grade teaching Billy. And, yeah. um, and I was, I always, this happens in every area of my life, but it happened here too. I was, you know, I'm told I was I was kind of like a cool teacher in seventh and eighth grade. Like the, the, the other, the, the other teachers were maybe older and, and women. And when you have a lot of women teachers, then sometimes if you have something different, it stands out. So people <laughs> always, they, they'll sometimes think that I'm funny and fun. And then the second they meet my wife, I'm like, whatever the oldest form of old news you can imagine, <laughs> I've just become second, third or fourth fiddle. And I really enjoy it. So this happened very much in, in the life of, of Billy, of, yep. of my Billy. Now your we have, Billy. and, and we call her, so this is a terrible thing, big Billy and little Billy yeah. and, and yeah. my Billy is not big, <laughs> it, Well, so we, we but it's a term checked. of endearment. It's it fine. <laughs> what makes it worse is that our six and eight year old pronounce it as big Billy. <laughs> so like they, they don't pronounce. So we, we ran it by her many times. Yes. So, we don't find out. Um, we like to be surprised by the gender of our children when they're born. And so we didn't find out um, and but made the decision to tell Billy that, hey, this third one is Billy if it's a girl and uh, it, it's going to be Augustine. You can go by Augie or August. So. Yeah, you better believe we were praying for Billy and not Augie, although Augie would have been a Augie's kind of cute. I know. It is. I know. Yeah. So. Well, uh, John, it's no secret. You have been a huge part of my children's and our family's life. And we are really grateful to both you and Viv for just pouring in consistently. And I know that we 
well, maybe we're special. We're not special. I mean, like (laughs) you do that for everybody. So I just, I know that's who you guys are. And, um, so I, I say all that because I wanted to just pull back the curtain a little bit and, um, yes, you are father, John Jordan, and it is an amazing, it's been so amazing to watch all of that unfold in your life. And, um, as you have gone through that ordination process and stepped into that calling of God on your life. And at the same time, like you said, you have these many callings and you're also, pouring into students' lives and pouring into families' lives and pouring into your own family's life. And so um, I just want to encourage you to keep keep uh, being out of balance, <laughs> but, doing, yes, yes. but letting God okay. determine what the next steps in the balance are. Well, John, it's truly been a delight to have you on the podcast today. So thank you for taking some time out of your week to be with us. Um, I also just want to encourage you guys. I've I've been promoing or telling you about a friend's podcast, and I want to do that again. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, I want to encourage you to give a listen to Rebecca Carroll and Liz Rodriguez's podcast. It's called Honestly Though, Real Talk, Real Life, Real Faith. They're interviewing some really interesting people and doing biblical takes on cultural issues. So I've been enjoying it and I wanted to pass it on to you because I think they're doing an excellent job. And as always, I just want to thank you for joining me on so much more because we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.